Chapter three, section one of a practical view of the prevailing religious system by William Wilberforce. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Lillis. Chapter three: Chief defects of the religious system of the bulk of professed Christians in what regards our Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, with the dissertation concerning the use of the passions in religion. Section one: Scripture doctrines that god so loved the world as of his tender mercy to give his only son jesus christ for our redemption that our blessed lord willingly left the glory of the father and was made man that he was despised and rejected of men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief that he was wounded for our transgressions that he was bruised for our iniquities that the lord laid on him the iniquity of us all that at length he humbled himself even to the death of the cross for us miserable sinners to the end that all who with hearty repentance and true faith should come to him might not perish but have everlasting life that he is now at the right hand of god making intercession for his people that being reconciled to god by the death of his son we may come boldly unto the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need that our heavenly father will surely give his holy spirit to them that ask him that the Spirit of God must dwell in us, and that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his, that by this divine influence we are to be renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created us, and to be filled with the fruits of righteousness to the praise of the glory of his grace, that being thus made meet for the inheritance of the saints in light, we shall sleep in the Lord, and that when the last trumpet shall sound, this corruption shall put on incorruption, and that being at length perfected after his likeness, we shall be admitted to his heavenly kingdom." These are the leading doctrines concerning our Saviour and the Holy Spirit, which are taught in the Holy Scriptures and held by the Church of England. The truth of them agreeably to our general plan will be taken for granted. Few of those who have been used to join in the established form of worship can have been, it is hoped, so inattentive as to be ignorant of these grand truths, which are to be found everywhere dispersed throughout our excellent liturgy. Would to God it could be presumed with equal confidence that all who assent to them in terms discern their force and excellency in the understanding, and feel their power in the affections and their transforming influence in the heart. What lively emotions are they calculated to excite in us, of deep self-abasement and abhorrence of our sins, and of humble hope and firm faith and heavenly joy and ardent love and active unceasing gratitude. But here it is to be feared will be found the grand defect of the religion of the bulk of professed Christians. A defect like the palsy at the heart— which, while in its first attack it changes but little the exterior of the appearance of the body, extinguishes the internal principle of heat and motion, and soon extends its benumbing influence to the remotest fibres of the frame. This defect is closely connected with that which was the chief subject of the last chapter. They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Had we duly felt the burden of our sins, that they are a load which our own strength is wholly unable to support, and that the weight of them must finally sink us into perdition, our hearts would have danced at the sound of this gracious invitation. Quote, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. End quote. Matthew 11, verse 28. But in those who have scarcely felt their sins as any encumbrance, it would be mere affectation to pretend to the very exalted conceptions of the value and acceptableness of proffered deliverance. This pretense, accordingly, is seldom now kept up, and the most superficial observer, comparing the sentiments and views of the bulk of the Christian world, with the articles still retained in their creed, and with the strong language of Scripture, must be struck with the amazing disproportion. To pass over the throng from whose minds religion is altogether excluded by the business or vanities of life, how is it with the more decent and moral? To what criterion shall we appeal? Are their hearts really filled with these things, and warmed by the love which they are adapted to inspire? then surely their minds are apt to stray to them almost unseasonably, or at least to hasten back to them with eagerness when escaped from the estrangement imposed by the necessary cares and business of life. 
he was a masterly describer of human nature who thus portrayed the characters of an undissembled affection quote, unstayed and fickle in all other things save in the constant image of the object that is beloved End quote. and how it may be perhaps replied do you know but that the minds of these people are thus occupied can you look into the bosoms of men let us appeal to a test to which we resorted in a former instance out of the abundance of the heart it has been pronounced the mouth speaketh take these persons then in some well-selected hour and lead the conversation to the subject of religion the utmost which can be effected is to bring them to talk of things in the gross they appear lost in generalities there is nothing precise and determinate nothing which implies a mind used to the contemplation of its object in vain you strive to bring them to speak on that topic which one might expect to be ever upmost in the hearts of redeemed sinners they elude all your endeavours and if you make mention of it yourself it is received with no very cordial welcome at least if not with unequivocal disgust it is at best a forced and formal discussion the excellence of our saviour's moral precepts the kindness and simplicity and the self-denial and unblemished purity of his life his patience and meekness in the hour of death cannot indeed be spoken of but with admiration when spoken of at all as they have often exhorted unwilling praise from the most daring and malignant infidels but are they not mentioned as qualities in the abstract rather than as the perfections and lineaments of our patron and benefactor and friend who loved us and gave himself up for us of him who died for our offences and rose again for our justification who is even now at the right hand of god making intercession for us who would think that the kindness and humanity and self-denial and patience and suffering which we so dryly commend had been exerted towards ourselves in acts of more than finite benevolence of which we were to derive the benefit in condensations and labours submitted to for our sakes in pain and ignominy endured for our deliverance but these grand truths are not suffered to vanish altogether from our remembrance thanks to the compilers of our liturgy more than to too many of the occupiers of our pulpits they are forced upon our notice in their just bearings and connections as often as we attend the service of the church yet is it too much to affirm that though they are entertained with decorum as what belong to the place and the day and the occupation they are yet too generally heard of with little interest like the legendary tales of some venerable historian or other transactions of great antiquity if not doubtful credit which though important to our ancestors relate to times and circumstances so different from our own that we cannot be expected to take any great concern in them we hear of them therefore with apparent indifference we repeat them almost as it were by rote assuming by turns the language of the deepest humiliation and the warmest thankfulness with a calm and unaltered composure and when the service of the day is ended they are dismissed altogether from our thoughts till on the return of another sunday a fresh attendance on public worship gives occasion for the renewed expressions of our periodical gratitude in noticing such lukewarmness as this surely the writer were to be pardoned if he were to be betrayed into some warmth of condemnation the unitarian and Socinian, indeed who deny or explain away the peculiar doctrines of the gospel may be allowed to feel and talk of these grand truths with little emotion but in those who profess a sincere belief in them this coldness is insupportable the greatest possible services of man to man must appear contemptible when compared with the unspeakable mercies of christ mercies so dearly bought so freely bestowed a deliverance from eternal misery the gift of a crown of glory that fadeth not away yet what judgment should we form of such conduct as is here censured in the case of any one who has received some signal services from a fellow-creature true love is an ardent and an active principle a cold a dormant a phlegmatic gratitude are contradictions in terms when these generous affections really exist in vigour are we not ever fond of dwelling on the value and enumerating the merits of our benefactor how are we moved when anything is asserted to his disparagement how do we delight to tell of his kindness 
with what pious care do we preserve any memorial of him which we may happen to possess how gladly do we seize any opportunity of rendering to him or to those who are dear to him any little offices which though in themselves of small intrinsic worth may testify the sincerity of our thankfulness the very mention of his name will cheer the heart and light up the countenance and if he be now no more and if he had made it his dying request that in a way of his own appointment we would occasionally meet to keep the memory of his person and of his services in lively exercise how should we resent the idea of failing in the performance of so sacred an obligation such are the genuine characters of the natural workings of a lively gratitude and we believe without doing violence to the most established principles of human nature that where the effects are so different the internal principle is in truth the same if the love of christ be thus languid in the bulk of nominal christians their joy and trust in him cannot be expected to be very vigorous here again we find reason to remark that there is nothing distinct nothing specific nothing which implies a mind acquainted with the nature and familiarized with the use of the christian privileges habitually solacing itself with the hopes held out by the gospel and animated by the sense of its high relations and glorious reversion the doctrine of the sanctifying operations of the holy spirit appears to have met with still worse treatment it would be to convey a very inadequate idea of the scantiness of the conceptions of this head of the bulk of the christian world to affirm merely that they are too little conscious of the inefficacy of their own unassisted endeavours after holiness of heart and life and that they are not daily employed in humbly and diligently using the appointed means for the reception and cultivation of the divine assistance it would hardly be to go beyond the truth to assert that for the most part their notions on this subject are so confused and faint that they can scarcely be said in any fair sense to believe the doctrine at all the writer of these sheets is by no means unapprised of the objections which he may expect from those whose opinions he has been so freely condemning he is prepared to hear it urged that often where there have been the strongest pretenses to the religious affections of which the want has now been censured there has been little or nothing of the reality of them and that even omitting the instances which however have been but too frequent of studied hypocrisy would have assumed to themselves the name of religious affections have been merely the flights of a lively imagination or the working of a heated brain in particular that this love of our saviour which has been so warmly recommended is no better than a vain fervour which dwells only in the disordered mind of the enthusiast that religion is of a more steady nature of a more sombre and manly quality and that she rejects with scorn the support of a mere feeling so volatile and indeterminate so trivial and useless as that with which we would associate her a feeling varying in different men and even in the same man at different times according to the accidental flow of the animal spirits a feeling lastly of which it may perhaps be said we are from our very nature hardly susceptible toward an invisible being as to the operations of the holy spirit it may probably be further argued that Quote, it is perhaps scarcely worth while to spend much time in inquiring into the theory when in practice at least it is manifest that there is no sure criterion whereby any one can ascertain the reality of them even in his own case much less than that of another all we know is that pretenders to these extraordinary assistances have never been wanting to abuse the credulity of the vulgar and to try the patience of the wise from the canting hypocrites and the wild fanatics of the last century to their less dangerous chiefly because less successful descendants of the present day we hear the same unwarranted claims the same idle tales the same low cant and we may discern not seldom the same mean artifices and mercenary ends the doctrine to say the best of it can only serve to favour the indolences of men while professing to furnish him with a compendious method of becoming wise and good it supersedes the necessity of his own personal labours quitting therefore all these slothful and chimerical speculations it is true wisdom to attach ourselves to what is more solid and practical to the work which you will not yourself deny to be sufficiently difficult to find us of itself full employment the work of rectifying the disorders of the passions and of implanting and cultivating the virtues of the moral character 
it is a service of the understanding which god requires of us which you would degrade into a mere matter of bodily temperament and imaginary impulses you are contending for that which not only is altogether unworthy of our divine master but which with considerate men has ever brought his religion into suspicion and disrepute and under a show of honouring him serves only to injure and discredit his cause our objector warming as he proceeds will perhaps assume a more impatient tone have not these doctrines he may exclaim been ever perverted to purposes the most disgraceful to the religion of jesus if you want an instance look to the standard of the inquisition and behold the pious dominicans torturing their miserable victims for the love of christ footnote this was the motto on their banner End footnote. or would you rather see the effects of your principles on a larger scale and by wholesale if the phrase may be pardoned cast your eyes across the atlantic and let your zeal be edified by the holy activity of cortez and pizarro and their apostles of the western hemisphere to what else have been owing the extensive ravages of national persecutions and religious wars and crusades whereby rapacity and pride and cruelty sheltering themselves sometimes even from the furious bigots themselves under the mask of the specious principle have so often afflicted the world the prince of peace has been made to assume the port of a ferocious conqueror and forgetting the message of goodwill to men has issued forth like a second scourge of the earth to plague and desolate the human species footnote scourge of the earth was the title of attila king of the huns whose desolating ravages are well known End footnote. objection discussed that the sacred name of religion has been too often prostituted to the most detestable purposes that furious bigots and bloody persecutors and self-interested hypocrites of all qualities and dimensions from the rapacious leader of an army to the canting oracle of a congregation have falsely called themselves christians are melancholy and humiliating truths which as none so deeply lament them none will more readily admit that they who best understand the nature are most concerned for the honour of christianity we are ready to acknowledge also without dispute that the religious affections and the doctrine of divine assistances have almost at all times been more or less disgraced by the false pretenses and extravagant conduct of wild fanatics and brain-sick enthusiasts all this however is only as it happens in other instances wherein the depravity of man perverts the bounty of god why is it here only to be made an argument that there is danger of abuse so is there also in the case of all the potent and operative principles whether in the natural or moral world take for an instance the powers and properties of matter these were doubtless designed by providence for our comfort and well-being yet they are often misapplied to trifling purposes and still more frequently turned into so many agents of misery and death on this fact indeed is founded the well-known maxim not more trite than just that the best things when corrupted become the worst a maxim which is especially just in the instance of religion for in this case it is not merely as in some others that a great power when mischievously applied must be hurtful in proportion to its strength but that the very principle on which in general we depend for restraining and retarding the progress of evil not only ceases to interpose any kindly check but is actively operative in the opposite direction but will you therefore disregard religion altogether the experiment was lately tried in a neighbouring country and professedly on this very ground the effects however with which it was attended do not much encourage its repetition but suppose religion were discarded then liberty remains to plague the world a power which though when well employed the dispenser of light and happiness has often proved and eminently in this very instance to be capable when abused of becoming infinitely mischievous well then extinguish liberty then what more abused by false pretenders than patriotism well extinguish patriotism but then the wicked career to which we have averted must have been checked but for courage blot out courage and so you might proceed to extinguish one by one reason and speech and memory and all the discriminating prerogatives of man 
but perhaps more than enough has already been urged in reply to an objection which bottoms on ground so indefensible as that which would equally warrant our condemning any physical or moral faculty altogether on account of its being occasionally abused as to the position of our opponent that there is no way whereby the validity of any pretensions to the religious affections may be ascertained it must partly be admitted doubtless we are not always able to read the hearts of men and to discover their real characters and hence it is that we in some measure lie open to the false and hypocritical pretenses which are brought forward against us so triumphantly but then these pretenses no more prove all similar claims to be founded in falsehood and hypocrisy than there having been many false and interested pretenders to wisdom and honesty would prove that there can be no such thing as a wise or an honest man we do not argue thus but where our reason is under a corrupt bias why should we be so much surprised and scandalized when these impostors are detected in the church of christ it is no more than our blessed master himself taught us to expect and when the old difficulty is stated didst thou not sow good seed in thy field whence then has it tares his own answer furnishes the best solution an enemy hath done this hypocrisy is indeed detestable and enthusiasm sufficiently mischievous to justify our guarding against its approaches with jealous care yet it may not be improper to take this occasion for observing that we are now and then apt to draw too unfavourable conclusions from unpleasant appearances which may be perhaps chiefly or altogether owing to gross or confused conceptions or to a disgusting formality of demeanour or to indeterminate low or improperly familiar expressions the mode and language in which a vulgar man will express himself on the subject of religion will probably be vulgar and it is difficult for people of literature and refinement to be unreasonably shocked by such vulgarities but we should at least endeavour to correct the rash judgments which we may be disposed to form on these occasions and should learn to recognise and prize a sound texture and just configuration though disguised beneath a homely or uncouth drapery it was an apostle who declared that he had come to the learned and accomplished grecians not with the excellency of speech or the wisdom of words from these he had studiously abstained lest he should have seemed to owe his success rather to the graces of oratory than to the efficacy of his doctrines and to the divine power with which they were accompanied even in our own times when the extraordinary operations and miraculous gift of the holy spirit having ceased the necessity of study and preparation and of attention to manner as well as matter in order to qualify men to become teachers of religion are no longer superseded yet it is no more than an act of justice explicitly to remark that a body of christians which from the peculiarly offensive grossness of the language in use among them had not without reason excited suspicions of the very worst nature have since reclaimed their character and have perhaps excelled all mankind in solid and unequivocal proofs of the love of christ and of the most ardent and active and patient zeal in his service footnote see the testimony of the west india merchants to the moravians in the report of the privy council on the slave trade End footnote. it is a zeal tempered with prudence softened with meekness soberly aiming at great ends by the gradual operations of well-adapted means supported by a courage which no danger can intimidate and a quiet constancy which no hardship can exhaust end of chapter 3 section 1